Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We are in the middle of the psalm for Thursday, page 30 in the Sim Shalom, the complete, page 89 in the Slim, or whatever page you're on in whatever Sidur you have. Psalm for Thursday, we're in the, in the conceptual middle of it, if not the geographic middle. So last time we did the first part of the psalm, which is basically praise God, sing praises, play the instruments, and do this uh, perhaps on Rosh Chodesh and on the Keseh. And we talked about how Keseh might either be a synonym for Rosh Chodesh or it might be kind of an antonym. It might mean um, the middle of the month, the 15th, which is when the Chag or the pilgrimage festival is. And this could be in general, monthly, praise God, or it could refer to Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. So we talked about all those things, but it boils down to praise God, right? Uh, sing, shout praises to God. And now we're going to get to the why part. Why should you praise God? Okay. So we're, uh, we finished, I think, Kichok li Yisrael hu mishpat Yaakov. I believe that was the last line we did. Um, it is a law for the people of Israel, a statute for the God of Jacob. Oh yes, we had a long, we had a long digression also about base Yaakov, uh, the base Yaakov schools. Okay. So we're up to the word edut. Okay. Uh, so we're on Psalm for Thursday, more about a third plus of the way through edut. Okay. Very hard sentence in Hebrew, edut biosef samo, betzeto al eretz mitzrayim. Sifat lo yadati eshma. Maybe it's not that hard a sentence. I take it back. So, samo probably refers to God made it. What's the it? It probably refers to the previous sentence, the chok and the mishpat. Right? And we said last time that that line, ki chok who is a line that is a probably a hinge, h-i-n-g-e, hinge line. It could close, it, we could understand it as closing the first part of the psalm or opening the second part of the psalm. It's a transition line, right? So all the shouting praise of God, this was established, right? Uh, uh, as a chok and a mishpat for Israel to praise God. It's a rule. Okay. Gotta praise God. Sing praises. A dut, which is sometimes used as a synonym as a chok, not, not an actual synonym, but a loose conceptual synonym to chok and mishpat. Okay. Um, think of Psalm 19 on Shabbat morning where we have, uh, Edus Hashem, Torah Hashem Tamima. We have that poem where there's basically six parallel lines, uh, Torah, Edut, and various other synonyms meaning God's instruction. All right. So, that it, it doesn't literally mean testimony like it does in modern Israeli Hebrew. It means more like it's ordained. So, Samo. So, God made this a statute or ordained for Yehoseph. We'll come back to, though, to that. When he went out in Egypt or over Egypt, uh, hearing a language that I hadn't understood. So, 
This seems to refer to Joseph coming down to Egypt, right? Uh, and foreign language being Egyptian. So this seems to suggest, oh, this rule praising God, singing praise God, this goes all the way back to the beginning of B'nai Israel, even before the giving of the Torah. Okay. So we have this odd spelling of Yehosef that we're not familiar with. We assume it's Joseph. Okay. Because it's the going down, being in Egypt and in a foreign tongue. So it, it, it stands to reason, uh, you know, if you, if you just took Yehosef out of context, it could be a verb. It's an odd verb. Um, but in context, it appears to be, um, it, it, it is either just a plain old spelling variant of Yosef, like, you know, plain old spell, spelling variant. Don't make anything of that. Or it could be an intentional alternative spelling of Yosef, which makes Yo, turning Yosef into Yehosef makes it what's called a theophoric name, theophoric is a fancy schmancy critical Bible scholar word, meaning a name that bears the name of God. Theo, God, for it means bearing. So the name, when, for example, when Yaakov is changed to Yisrael, Jacob's new name is Theophoric because it's Yisrael. He strives with God or God is supreme or something like that. Um, so Avraham is not a Theophoric name and Yitzchak is not a theophoric name, and Yaakov and Moshe are not theophoric names, but uh names like Eliezer, God is my help, that's a theophoric name. Yishayahu, Yahu, which is an alternative name for the fourth letter name of God, Yahu, which was probably pronounced in biblical times, Yahu, right? Yishayahu, God is my help, okay? Yechezkel. L strengthens. So maybe it's not just a spelling variant. Maybe it's an intentional changing of Yosef. The name was, remember, the name was given by his mother, Rachel. She had her first kid after being barren. And then she said, uh, Yosef Hashem Li Ben Acher. May God give me another son. So in Breshit, Yosef means may he, may there be another. But Yehosef makes it a theophoric name. This is like, which other name change in the Chumash? This is a quiz class whose name is just like this, and it's changed to Yeho something, which makes it a theophoric name Yeshua. in the Chumash. Yeshua. What'd you say there, Terry? Yehoshua. Yeah. I think someone else muttered it in the conference room. Yehoshua, whose original name was um, probably something like Yeshua. Right? Just means he'll save or salvation. And it's changed to Yehoshua. God will save. Yudke Vavke. God will save. Right? Hashem, what we say, Hashem will save. So maybe it's just a spelling variant. Maybe it's an intentional change that Joseph's name is now a theophoric name. Makes it more religious. Correct? You make, you change a name to theophoric. It makes it more in air quotes religious. It's a, a name that has God in it. Okay. So this was ordained somehow back. This was put as a adut, as a ordination, a rule for Joseph, which could either mean Joseph, the individual, or it could mean the house of Joseph, because very often uh in poetry, particularly among the 
prophets, the Nevi'im, not so often in the book of Tehillim, Psalms, um, Israel, particularly the northern kingdom, is called Yosef or Beit Yosef, because we know Joseph's two children were Menashe and Ephraim, and those were by far the most um, populous tribes of the northern kingdom. So sometimes you could just call the northern kingdom the house of Joseph. All right. So they went out into Egypt in a foreign land. And what did Hashem do? God is now speaking. I removed uh, hard labor from his shoulder. I uh, took away the basket from his hands. So notice we've shifted into God in the second part of the psalm into God speaking in the first person, which we did not have in the first part. First part of the psalm is some anonymous narrator saying, hey, all you people, sing praises to God. All right. And notice in this line, a dude, we shift from third person to first person. Samo means he established it. He established it as an adut. We assume that's God, right? Who told you to praise God? God established it as an adut. When? Long ago, back in Egypt. By the way, say to Mitzrayim, I translate it as when he, Joseph, went into the land of Egypt. But maybe it's when he, God, went out into the land of Egypt. So because we're, we're, ta- we're, taking this turn and talking about God rescuing us. So maybe Bitseto actually refers to God going, when, when When did we say that God was Latzet in the land of Egypt? In the 10th plague, right? So maybe this actually refers to the beginning of the Exodus, Seto. Um, and Safat Lo Yadati is first person, but it's clearly Israel speaking. Right. I was there in a place where I didn't speak the language. It was a foreign land. But then Hasiroti, I removed the labor from them is clearly now God speaking in the first person. So we have a transition from third person about God. Then I have first person about Israel. And then I have first person about God speaking. Everyone get what I'm saying? Because clearly it's God who took off who, who took the laborer's basket out of our hands. Okay. Um, here, I removed the burden from their shoulder. Their hands were freed from the load. And Safat lo yadati eshma, a language, I heard a language that I didn't understand. Uh, it's interesting that our translation is, I heard the speech that I had previously ignored. Hmm. Or, ah, that's in the slim and the sim shalom. Has then I heard a voice I never knew. Hmm. Okay. So we have two different translations to the one I suggested. I suggested that it's in Egypt. I, Israel, was stuck in a foreign land, you know, where they spoke a language that I didn't know. No. And in the slim, we have that it really means God heard the speech that God had previously ignored. Eh. Okay. And then in the sim, it's I, Israel, heard a voice that I never knew. So when three people are translating three different ways, what does that mean? 
Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's hard. Let's not go that far. Let's just say it's ambiguous. Hard to translate. Okay? Because I thought I knew. And maybe the editors of these two Cedarim thought they knew. By the way, <laughs> someone who has a different Sidur, different translation for Svat Loyadati Eshma, that language thing. Anyone have an art scroll or something else in front of them? No. All right. Okay. Uh, maybe, so, you know, someone will dig it up by next week and you'll, you'll, you'll tell us. Okay. So clearly this is something about the salvation, the exodus from Egypt, right? Cause I removed the laborer's basket from your shoulder, from your hand. But, batsara karatava achaltseka. We're continuing in the first person now, God speaking. So I, I called you, um, in your time of Tsara, of Tsaris, of problems, and I released you. ra'am. I re- answered to you from the hiddenness of thunder. When did God respond from the hiddenness of thunder? When does God speak to B'nai Israel from the hiddenness of thunder? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai. So I saved you. I Mount Sinai you, I revealed, and then Evhoncha Almeimariva Sela. I tried you or tested you at the waters of Miriva, which I believe comes right after the Mount Sinai story in No. Before Sinai? When is Maimariva? Is it in Bishalach before Yitro? I can't remember. So I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, right? There's a whole bunch of tests with the people running out of water. Okay. So this is now clearly referring to ancient Israel's, our early narrative. They were in Egypt. They were released from hard labor. I heard them crying out and I released them. I spoke to them from the thunder, the hiddenness of with the thunder. I tested them. At the, at May Merivah, the waters of Merivah. Shema Ami Ve'aidabach, Yisrael in Tishmali. Listen, Israel, and I will, uh, let's see, we have one translate, Aida, we have one translation meaning warning, warning, they both said warning, but notice it is the same root as a dut, right? Mm-hmm. So it means I'm, 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 it really means I'm swearing something to you. So listen, Israel, I swear, says God. Israel, you'd better listen to me. What are you supposed to listen? Lo yevcha el zar, shachavel el nechar. Anochi Hashem Elohecha, hamalcha me'eretz mitzrayim. I just want to pause there. I'm pausing in the middle of a sentence. So these two lines sound like what? This is not a hard question. The first two Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, so that fits in, right? I spoke to you from the cloud. That fits perfectly. So we're talking about the beginning of the desert wandering, right? The beginning took you out of Egypt, saved you, responded to you, spoke to you from the cloud. And what did I say? I said... Do not worship any other gods, okay? Because I am the Lord your God, uh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. We have the first two lines of the Ten Commandments here, but in reverse order, okay? 
So the setting seems pretty clear. But I just want to go back to maybe I stopped in the middle of a sentence. And now here's the whole sentence. I'm the Lord of your God who took you out of Egypt. Open your mouth and I will fill it. Meaning, I'm going to take care of you. Right? If I'm what? All you need. I'll say again, Michael. I am all you need. Well, well, yeah. Although, yes, I think it's, yes, I think it's very concrete though, because we'll see later on in the psalm, the, the need is really about physical things. So I think the open your mouth isn't just a metaphor. Ah. I think it's actually, I think it's, I will fill your mouth. That, that I think that means I will feed you because we're going to look at food later on in the psalm. So yes, Michael, you're right, you're, but you're making it metaphoric and it may be metaphoric, but I think it's also concrete. Okay. Um, meaning because later on we'll see at the end about God would feed you. Uh, if I may ask. Where in the Torah, in a passage that we recite every day, twice a day, does it say that if you listen to God, God will feed you? Vayayim Shemoa. That's what Vayayim Shemoa is about. Thank you, Alan. If you listen, there will be rain, there will be food, you will be sated. If you do not listen, you do not heed, you disobey, God will shut up the heavens and you will wither away. Right. So, yes, correct. God opens God's hand to all living creatures. Um, and this, though, is a more specific one. You, Israel, you listen, you will eat. So please remember again, um, uh, we in, we in California understand this better than like, you know, I understood, ever understood this when I grew up in New York. Right. So we in California are, are a little closer to understanding what it means to be living in a landscape that is totally dependent on uh, someone. To, uh, oh, yeah. So I don't know. Sorry. My screen changed. Totally dependent on the right rain falling in the right season. OK. But they understood it much better in ancient Israel because they did not have whole foods with cherries imported from New Zealand. Like I bought for special dessert for last Shabbos. <laughs> I gen, I, in our house, we generally try not to buy things with a massive carbon footprint, like blueberries from Peru in the winter. But I said to my wife, this is a special treat, cherries for dessert on Shabbos. I bought the cherries from New Zealand, right? Yeah. So they did not live in a world of importing cherries from New Zealand, right? They were simple peasant farmers. If the right rain comes, we eat, we're okay. If it doesn't happen, we are at the risk of starvation. So much so, by the way, that as we just read near the end of Rashid, sometimes people have to leave the land because of famine. We read that in our Torah, Tanakh over and over again, right? Abraham and Isaac leave the land because of famine. Yaakov's family has to go down to Egypt because of famine. Ruth's family lives the, leaves the land because of famine. So this is like a, a you know, this is a, this is a threat that people really grasped. Okay. So I took you out of Egypt, right? So don't worship other gods because I took you out of Egypt. And if you open your mouth, I will fill it. Oy. But what happened? 
rhetorical, I'll ask you a question. Did they listen or didn't they? It's a multiple, it's a, a yes or no question on the exam. No. No. Viloshama Amilakoli, Vishrelo Avali. They did not listen. They were not willing. Doesn't say what specific sin. You could say, well, it's the golden calf, because that would follow in the sequence, but doesn't say that explicitly. But they did not listen to me saying to them, do not have any other gods. So I released them to follow the their whims, and they went in their own councils, stratagems. Like, you know, I told them what to do, but they went and they had their other plans. End of that little section. Then God is saying, If only my people would listen to me, and Israel would walk in my paths presumably the paths that I have given them. Kimat oivehem achnia v'altsarehem ashiv yadi. Kimat, I think here, does not mean like modern Hebrew, um, almost. I think it means in an instant. Ma'at meaning a very little. In an instant, I would conquer their enemies and I would smack my hand against their enemies. Why do they have it? So implied, why do they have enemies who torment them? Why do they have trouble with their enemies? Because they don't listen. Okay? If they would only listen, if they would follow God's instructions, which here, by the way, the focus on, there's only one instruction. I'd like to point out, what's the instruction? Do not worship any other gods. Okay? That was the only instruction. Lo vecha elzar. Okay, do not worship any other gods, right? But they didn't listen. They went on their own strategy. They 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 had their own plans. They had their own ideas. Okay, you know, if only my people, God is still speaking in the first person, would listen, then in an instant I would smite their enemies. Misan e Adonai yechachashulo vihi itam laolab. Those who I don't think it's really hate God. I think it might mean spurn God, uh, who deny him. Their eight, their time will be forever. Eight here probably means the time of their punishment. Now, who are the ones who spurn God? I guess there's two possibilities. Who have recently in the last few lines, who have we been talking about? So who, who might this refer to? Those who built the golden calf. So it could mean the Israelites who don't listen. They could be the people who are misan e Hashem, the God spurners. What's the other possibility? Who else have we been talking about just now in the previous line? The enemies, right? We talked about God saying in a, in a second, I would, sh- I would schmice their enemies, mm. right? So it could be talking about the enemies. I just want to raise the two possibilities here. Okay. So whoever it is, either the enemies of Israel or Israelites who do not worship only one God, they spurn Hashem and deny him, their time of calamity, their eight, will be forever. Let's see, what do we have here? Their downfall shall be unending. Okay. Their doom shall be eternal. Two translations in the Sim and the Slim. By the way, got to look back at that. That's actually very interesting 
because the slim was just supposed to be like um an easier smaller you know they took the sim shalom which came out first and then they came out with the weekday and the shabbat two different slim ones to make it easier to handle because no one liked the sim because it was too bulky um and it is interesting to me because they were i believe both edited by jules harlow so it's interesting to me that they have different english translations one would have to and jules harlow's all is no longer alive to answer us so one would need to talk to someone on the prayer book ra prayer book committee to say how did that come about that you know there, there are different translations and of course you'd also want to look at the jps um you know translation to see what they translate right um so some non-worshippers whether they're the jews who spurn god okay or <laughs> or gentiles who the enemies who don't know god okay they will have their doom forever. Again, the word here is eight, which means time or moment, but it is, it is seen to be just like, just like for us in English, sometimes the word moment or time, sometimes it's a totally neutral word, but sometimes it's a word that is freighted with more meaning, like the time is nigh or your time, you know, in a, in a movie, your time is up, Batman. Right. Or, you know, it's it's your moment. OK, so sometimes time or moment, which is what eight really means, is just a neutral term, has no no neutral. I guess I'll say neutral. Right. And sometimes in, in a context, it actually clearly has some connotation to it. OK. And that's what eight is here. OK. By the way, um, notice in this, these last two lines, we have switched back to the narrator talking about God in the third person. So the, maybe the narrator is now making a conclusion based on what God said. Those enemies of God, their doom is forever, but, Umitsur Tivash Aspieka. But God will feed him, and it doesn't say who him is. It's implied. We'll 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 say in a moment who's the him who's implied. But God will feed him from the fat of wheat. What's the what's the what's the part of um, wheat that's what's hold on a second. What's the part of wheat that's removed uh when it's not whole wheat? The the germ, right, you know, the, the part of the protein, right? So God will feed him the fat of wheat, meaning God will feed him a lot of wheat, right? Back to open your mouth and I will feed you. If you listen to God, you will be taken care of amply. Umitsur devash aspieka. And he, and God sates him, S-A-T-E, with honey from the rock. You know that phrase, honey from the rock? There's a band, Honey from the Rock. This is where it comes from. I always wondered about this a little bit, by the way, because honey in ancient Israel has one of two sources. It either is date honey. Dates can be made into honey, <coughs> which probably wouldn't be from the rock, or uh bees. So I guess this means beehives in the rock, because I doubt that there are dates growing in the rock. And I'm not sure what other form of 
honey there would be from the rock, unless you want to say it is a metaphor for what do we think of coming from the rock if we're talking about the desert experience? Water. Water. So is it an alternative story? Is it a metaphor? Does it mean in Eretz Yisrael there'll be beehives attached to the rocks? I don't really know, but it clearly has the connotation of abundant nutrition. Okay? So if it's misan e Hashem, those who spurn God, who will have their time of doom forever, by implication, who gets to eat lots of wheat and honey from the rock? Those who follow God. Right. So it doesn't say that anywhere, but it clearly seems to be implied. Here it says, uh, in the slim it says, but you I will feed, which is a very good evasive translation, because it says, lehu, which means, and he will feed him. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. So I don't know if they're, uh, by the way, the sim also has you. So I don't know if they're just doing a little two-step there to make it make sense, or one would have to look up, are they relying on some, you know, manuscript of the Torah or the Septuagint or something like that, which would be Vayachilcha Mechelev Chita. That would make sense, right? It would make more sense if it was Mesane Hashem, them, but Vayachilcha. So I will look up for next week if one of the ancient versions actually has Vayachilcha and, but God will feed you because then that would be a good reason. Sometimes the, uh, modern translators will translate not the Masoretic text, but one of the other versions. Other versions means early translations, Aramaic, Syriac, Greek, or Latin. Um, and now we also have Dead Sea Scrolls if they think that that preserves a better text of the Torah. So I wonder about that. Okay. Pause before hands. Everyone hold on. Hold your horses. Okay. So here's the sequence. Praise God. Sing to God. God who took you out of Egypt. And then we go into first person. And I did all these things. I removed you from bondage. I called out to you from the cloud. And what did I say? Do not worship other gods. I am the God who took you out of Egypt. Open your mouth, please. And I will fill it. I'll take care of you. But they did not listen. And so, you know, they had their own ideas. You know, if only my people would listen, then I would smite their enemies in a second. And then we're switching back to third person. You know, those who spurn God, right? Their day of doom, their moment of doom is forever. But either vaya but I will feed you, or in brackets, but those who heed God, um, will be fed well forever. Mm-hmm. Lots of wheat and lots of honey. Again, as metaphor for just ample taking care of needs. Okay. That's the sequence of the psalm. Alan, then Michael. Yeah, I'm looking at the, at the Sidur Le Shalom, and it seems at the very end to be a, a, a trans, a, a mix up of who's doing what because he said he was dealing with a third party about those who hate Adonai will be humble. Their doom will be eternal. Yeah. But then it switches to the first person at the very end. It's not third person. It's God talking. Excuse me. Not first person. It's God talking. And I shall feed you the choice. Ah, thank you. Right. It's interesting because Vaya Achilehu is third person and Aspieka is God speaking. 
Yes. Confusing. Right. By the way, when it's confusing, there's two alternatives. The modern Bible scholar alternative frequently say, well, it must be the text must have been corrupted and we need to amend it to something. And, you know, if you're traditional, you can't get away with that. That's the easy way out. And so you'd have to have commentators, you know, to talk about why does it switch from the first to the third? You could say, of course, literarily, oh, because sometimes the psalm talked in the first person. God was speaking in the first person. Some top parts of the psalm, God was speaking in the third person. And so the last line pulls it all together by having both, although it does make an awkward line. <laughs> yes. Michael. Michael, then. <clears throat> I think Perhaps it's- the, yeah. the uh, honey from a rock, maybe rock simply refers to the, the date pick in order to distinguish it from honey, from bee honey. Oh, so you want to make sewer which everywhere else in the Bible means hard stone to mean date pit. Okay. 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 All right. Which, which, which I'm not sure also is what they made the honey from. I think they made the honey from the mushy stuff, but the truth is I have no idea whatsoever how they made date honey. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to do a little look, a little, if anyone, I don't know, if anyone knows more about nature and can explain how honey. Terry, you think you know how honey can come from the rock? No, but what I can tell you is that we still use what we now call date molasses as a sweetener, an alternative sweetener. Yes. And I'm presuming that that's what is referred to as date honey. Yes. Um, so we're still using it. Yes, but we're, we're, we're arguing with Michael about does it come from the pit or does it come from the mush? Michael, no, no, no. I don't mean I didn't mean that the honey was made from the pit itself. Uh huh. I meant that by saying that the that the honey came from the rock meant that it came from the fruit with the with the stone in it. Okay. As to from bees. Good, excellent. Okay, here's what I'm going to say to that, Michael. Next, Marshall. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I was just looking at morphics. Uh, a sort of an interesting parallel where the, the shoresh half. In addition to meaning coward or cringe, had a meaning of to become gaunt or become thin. And there seems to be the contrast here that those oh. who will become thin or gaunt and those who, uh, who God in fact will give the others will from the uh, finest, uh, finest wheat. God, what Marshall is saying is referring healthy. to the next to last line, Misanashem Yekachashulo. Marshall, I'm going to look that one up. I mean, I mean, not the word, because you're right. I, I'm going to look to see if that's biblical and if any of the um, traditional commentators say that meaning. That would be very interesting. Kahash can also mean to um, to sh- shrink or shrivel. Shrink, become, or right? Shrink. So is it the opposite of, uh, does it mean not the deniers, but um, those who deny God, they will wither. They'll starve. Okay. Whereas the good people, they will have all the wheat and the honey. Hmm. Interesting. We'll get to that. Good. Okay. We got to finish up. I just want to say one. Uh, so a couple of things. Uh, two quick questions. Maybe we'll have to start with this next time because next time is a short sum. So we don't have time to talk today. I want to call time, but I want to leave you with two questions and. Those questions are, one, why might this psalm have been selected 
for Thursday. Let's start with the tradition. The, we've, we've looked at why Assam is attached today for two kinds of reasons. One we looked at is, you know, the reason essentially that was given in the rabbinic sources, like, oh, the Psalm for Wednesday is because the sun, moon, and the stars were created on Wednesday. And, uh, and pe- the people who worship the sun, moon, and the stars are bad guys. And that's why we pray for the, the downfall of the bad guys. So is there any connection with the Psalm from the fifth day of creation? Question one. Question two. How does it fit in that we've been trying to thread a sequence of Psalms conceptually, not just this is on Tuesday because it's connected to Tuesday, this is on Wednesday because it's connected to Wednesday, but does the sequence of Psalms through the week give us a thread through that gives us kind of a, I don't know, let's just call it a rhythm of the week through the Psalms? Um, so I'm going to leave you with those two questions to mull over. We'll start with that next time. And we'll do the psalm for Friday next time, God willing. Okay, so I'm going to call time. Everyone stay away from COVID, be Torah, and God willing, we will resume next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.